Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Really glad you're here, whether you're here in the room and I can see you or you're online and you can see me, which is just creepy, but I can't see you. But no, it's all good. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. Uh, This is a safe place, no matter whether this is your first time or you've been here for a hundred times, or if you are, you know, kind of, you've been walking with Christ for decades, like you've been doing this, you've kind of been walking as this follower of Christ for a really long time, or maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even know what I think about the Bible and about Jesus. I, I have some ideas, but I'm not even sure where I'm at with that. No matter where you are on any of those spectrums, we're just glad you're here. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here. We look forward to the questions that you have about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, about faith, about life in general. We all have those questions, and so what better place to be than to uh, seek those answers than here. So we are in the midst of this series called The Table. And this series is very simple. There's two parts of this series. One, we all need to start with the understanding, the, the, this idea, this principle that God invites every one of us, every single person, to the table. That's the whole point of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to defeat sin, the sin problem, and he rose from the grave to defeat the the death problem. And so God invites you to the table through Jesus, through a relationship with Jesus. That's for every person, every single person on the planet who has ever existed and will ever exist and exists right now. And so then, though, we have to take it one step further and know that when we accept that invitation to the table by God, When we accept Jesus, when we put our hope and our trust in Jesus, then God is going to call us, he's going to want us to do some things and to be some things. And so this series is all about defining the target. What are we as a church asking you to become? And we're not, this is not a list that we came up with. This is the list that God came up with. We're just sharing it with you. And saying that here at Northridge, we believe that if we're a follower of Christ, God wants us to be about these things and to do these things and to be these things, then this is the target that we're all shooting for. Whether or not we're all there yet is another question, but this is what God wants us to become when we uh, accept that invitation to the table. And so that's what this uh, whole series is about. Now, I will be honest, today's topic that we need to be about as followers of Christ is one of the most difficult ones. Because what we're talking about today is one of the hardest things for us to surrender. It's one of the hardest things for us to give up. It's one of the hardest things, areas of our life, for us to truly trust God in. We trust God in a lot of other areas, but in this area, we tend to struggle And I know sometimes I do as well. Today, we're going to talk about generosity, specifically in the area of money. This is one of the most significant barriers we have in our faith. 
And so uh, we're going to jump right into the story. So if you like to follow along in your Bible, and some of you like to do it on your smartphone, either way is cool. Uh, but go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 12. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12. There's this short story there. And uh, in Mark chapter 12, basically, let me kind of set up the context. Uh, Kim, if you would go backwards and get off of that for a minute, uh, that'd be great, because uh, uh, otherwise we're going to be reading it ahead of time. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So Mark chapter 12. So what's going on here is Jesus is in the temple. He's in the church building, like the big stone, like they've made this beautiful thing, right? And, uh, and Jesus is there, and he's teaching the disciples and the people and all those kinds of things. And, and, and he's, he's kind of doing this, and all of a sudden, there's this moment when something happens, and Jesus uses that moment to call it out and point it out to everybody else. Right? He points it out and he's going to say, okay, everybody pause. And he kind of, and there's this moment where I'm, I'm about to read this, but Jesus calls the disciples to him and he says, I need you guys to notice something because this is really a big deal. All right? And so as I read this, Jesus is in the temple. The disciples are in the temple. There's people coming and going and all that. Think of like, you know, uh, it's kind of a, you know, think of like a Sunday morning. There's a lot of people in there, there's stuff happening. And Jesus kind of says, pause for a moment. I want you to notice this. All right, so we're going to read this in the temple area, what happens. Mark chapter 12, I'm going to start with verse 41. All right, here we go. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So this is an interesting short story, and clearly Jesus in this moment thinks this is something really important that I need to point out, right? Because he kind of calls the disciples in. He's like, okay, disciples, come here. I need you to really pay attention to this, right? He's been preaching, and he's been teaching in the temple this whole time. And in fact, if you go back to the rest of Mark chapter 12, Jesus has been talking about a whole bunch of things, Right? But then in this moment, he calls the disciples in. And he says, I need you guys to listen to this because this is important. Watch what just happened here. And so, what I want to do is, I want to give you three ways that God is different than us, specifically in the area of generosity when it comes to money. Three ways that God is different than you and I, human beings, in the area of generosity that is illustrated by this story by Jesus. All right? So number one, God sees different. God sees differently than we do. He sees things that we don't see. Right? And, and this story is pretty obvious. Jesus, just, just understand that Jesus is calling this out. He sees something that nobody else sees. He sees something in this poor widow that nobody else notices. And by the way, God does this all the time, doesn't he? Think about when Jesus called the 12 disciples. Who did he call? Did he go to the seminary? 
right? Did he go to the seminaries and he's like, okay, who's the most theologically trained in this book? I'm going to get them. No, he didn't. You know where he went? He went to a lake. He's like, okay, those guys, they know how to fish. But do they know how to fish for people? I'm going to teach them. And he grabs a bunch of fishermen. And then he's going through the marketplace. And he, and he grabs another guy named Matthew, who's a tax collector. You know, you understand the tax collectors in that day were hated. Right? Hated. More than anybody else, just about, in their day. Tax collectors were hated. Not only did they extract taxes from you, but they also skimmed off the top for themselves. They were thieves. And they did it in the name of the Roman Empire, who were their enemies. These people were hated. And Jesus says, yeah, a tax collector will make a great disciple. Why did Jesus do that? You know why Jesus did that? Because God sees differently than we do. The Bible tells us that David... King David is a man after God's own heart. But can I just tell you this? We don't think about this often. But if I came to you as your pastor and said, hey, I found the next great candidate for our staff pastor. Uh, his name is David. Uh, now, you're going to see some things on his resume. Uh, so there was a time when he had an affair with a woman who was married. And then in order to cover up his indiscretion, he murdered the husband of the gal uh, to try to hide it. And he lied about it for a long time. But now he's doing great and we can trust him. How many of you are going to be like, great job, Pastor Brent. You're doing a great job. No, you're not. You're going to be like, he's lost it. Can we vote him out? <laughs> right? That's, seriously, you're going to look at that resume and you're going to think, your pastor has lost it. You're crazy. And yet God tells us in his word that David was a man after God's heart. God chooses him to be the next king of Israel. Why? Because God sees different. God sees things differently. His generosity is different than ours. He chooses generosity in a place that we would not ever consider. The Apostle Paul, you remember what the Apostle Paul did before God chose him to take the good news of Jesus to every town, every village, every city around the Mediterranean Sea. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting Christians. He was throwing Christians in prison. He was the one when Stephen, the Christian, the follower of Christ, was being killed, was being murdered. He's the one standing there. It says this in God's word. He was standing there in approval as a follower of Christ was being killed in front of him. And God chose him to bring the good news of Jesus to the known world. Why? Because God sees different. You get the point, don't you? God does not view things the way that we do. Think about this moment, right? Jesus is there, right? Jesus is standing there and he's teaching and all of a sudden he notices this widow, Right? The, the people come up and, and, and they're dropping in all these, this stuff. And, and keep in mind that they didn't have, like, you know, what we have credit card and debit card machines, right? They're not walking up to the collection box going, bing, 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 yeah, okay, 
sign, and done, right? They're not doing that. There's this big collection box, and I'm not going to go into the great history because we don't need to, although I really wanted to today, but I don't have time. And so there's these collection boxes, and they had these horns. They looked like shofars, and they were kind of, they, they kind of tapered down, and you dropped your coins into the collection box. That's what you did. Their main denomination were coins. They didn't have like lots of dollar bills and all kind of stuff in the Roman Empire. They did have some, but mostly people used coins. And so people would come by to the collection box there, and they would drop their coins in the collection box. Now, what we know, Jesus says, what the text tells us is that there were some wealthy people that came by and dropped their coins in. So what I did is I, I kind of want to illustrate this because this is really, really important. Right? So people, everybody's in the temple there and they're all watching. And then when somebody that is really wealthy comes by, they're going to have a lot of coins, Right? And they come by and they drop in, they, they stand over by the collection box, right? And then they put their coins in. Did you notice that? I know you did because it's loud and kind of annoying, right? To have somebody with a lot of coins walk up to the collection box and dump all those in, everybody's going to be like, whoa, that was a lot of coins, and look at their robe, too. Right? It wasn't necessarily meant to be a show-off thing, but people would have noticed because we're human beings and we notice those kinds of things. It would have been obvious. But then, measure that against the next thing that happens. Right? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, a widow walks up. And in the English I read, and I know you guys were listening, it says that she came up with two small coins. Um, in the original language, the, the New Testament was written in Greek, and so it's actually two lepta is what it's called. They're called lepta. Uh, lepton is one, but two multiple is lepta. Okay? And so this widow in the Greek, she came up literally with two lepta. Now, Greek lepta coins were the smallest tiniest, thinnest, lightest, least valuable coins you could possibly have in the Roman Empire. Okay? She brought two of them, not just one, but two. Two lepta is what it says. So these are pennies. These are not lepta. <laughs> but these are the smallest, most insignificant coinage that we have in our country. So imagine the widow walking up to the collection box. Nobody sees her. Nobody notices. She's a poor widow. And she drops her two lepta in the collection box. Now, did you hear that? Barely. I heard it because I was right over the top of it, but most of us would not have noticed. If we had a normal room here where we're talking, all that kind of stuff, nobody would have noticed. If I put all those coins in, though, and everybody's talking, several of you would have looked, right? But nobody noticed the poor widow who dropped two lepta, two insignificant coins, one in 128th denarius. That's less than 1% of a day's wage. That's what she dropped in. And what Jesus says in that moment is he says, nobody else noticed, nobody else noticed that widow and her offering, her tithe. But Jesus did. That's important. Jesus noticed. Jesus knew. 
what her situation was, and what she was dropping in the collection box that day. In other words, Jesus sees. And let me just ask you this question. Do you ever feel like God doesn't see you? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you're just lost in the mix? Like nobody really notices you? Some of you students at school, do you ever feel like you're just one of the other students? The teacher always looks right past you. Maybe you're in church. Maybe you're here at Northridge even and you feel like the pastor always looks right past you. Maybe you want the pastor to look right past you. (laughs) Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Do you feel like you're just passed over? Maybe you're here and you feel like the widow and you're living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you're even less than that. Maybe you can't even make ends meet paycheck to paycheck and you're worried about money all the time. Let me remind you, God sees you. God sees you. Maybe you're here and you have health issues. Maybe you got some news this week or maybe you got some news last week or maybe you heard about a loved one that got some news about some health issues uh, in the last few weeks and you're worried. You're sitting here just worrying. You can't think about anything else. That's on your heart and your mind right here and you, you can't, you haven't even hardly heard anything that I've said because that is consuming everything that's in you because you're worried it might be something more serious or you've been told it is something serious and so you're worried about that. Let me remind you, God, God sees you. He knows. Maybe you're here and and you've experienced loss recently. I'm in this category. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a relationship that you thought was going somewhere. Maybe you thought Maybe you lost a way of life that you were hoping you were going to have. Let me remind you, God sees you. God sees you. See, God wants us to be generous first with what he's given to us, but he knows that it's not because God needs our generosity. It's because God knows that the best way of life is to be generous. And God wants to be generous to us, but first he wants to see how we can be generous with what he's given to us already. Everything good, I don't know if you realize this, I say this all the time, but it bears repeating because it's so important. Every single thing that's good in your life came from God. Everything. No matter what it is, some of us sitting in here might think we're a self-made man or a self-made woman. You're not. I mean, you've done well. I'm not saying you're terrible. I'm saying you are great. You're very great. But you know why you're great? Because God made you great. The whole reason you have the ability to do your job, to make a paycheck, is because God gave you that. The whole reason you're here is because God's grace gave you air and breath and an opportunity to breathe and to be alive. Everything good that you have came from God. It's because of God's generosity. So the first thing we need to realize is God sees you. God sees differently than we do in the area of generosity, all right? The second thing that we learn from this story is that God evaluates different. 
God judges differently than we do. He, he sees things and judges differently. He evaluates things differently than we do. So let's go back to the story, uh, verses 43 and 44. What does Jesus say when he calls his disciples to him? Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Now, this is an important moment. I want to make sure that we're clear here. Jesus, because I've heard this preached on, and it's been preached incorrectly, frankly. Okay, Jesus is not saying an indictment against people who are wealthy who came to give their offerings. Okay, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not saying, oh, the wealthy, man, they are just a mess. And this widow gets it. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not, it's not in antithesis to the people who have a lot of money, who have a lot of coins, right? He's not in antithesis to that, but here's what he is saying. So I do want to bring out what he is trying to say and the point that he's trying to make. What he's trying to say is it's not the amount, it's the proportion. We catch this, don't we? It's not the amount, it's the proportion. So let me try to illustrate this. So let's say that I am sitting in my house one evening, uh, and it's just my son Tanner and I, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm getting ready, you know, I'm relaxing, and the rest of my family's gone somewhere, maybe they're on a trip or whatever, I don't know. That never happens, but let's just say that that is what's going on, all right? So I'm sitting there hanging out that evening, and I pull together a plate of cookies. You guys understand, right? And, and the plate looks like this, all right? I'm sitting there ready to enjoy the spoils of having worked all day, right? And I'm like, yes, I've earned this. This is great, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm ready to eat some cookies, and then my son Tanner comes to me, and he says, Dad... He's eight, by the way, eight years old. And he says, Dad, can I have a cookie? And I say, mm, sure, you can have one cookie, Tanner. Right? And he goes over there, and he just sits on the other couch over there, or he sits next to me, and we eat a cookie, right? And we have this cookie together. And, 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 and we're just, oh, man, this is good. This is so, so good. Right? And... Now, now, let me just say this. Let me just twist the scenario just for a second, okay? Let's say that I sit down to eat my cookies, right? And, and Tanner comes to ask me for a cookie, and he says, Dad, can I have a cookie? And when he comes, I'm sitting in front of a plate that looks like that, okay? No, not that, the other one, the one with one. Instead of a pile of cookies, right, Tanner comes in and he asks for the cookie, the only cookie that's in the house sitting in front of me. He says, Dad, can I have a cookie? Now, when I hand Tanner my cookie, let me ask you, does it feel different than when I handed the cookie the first time? Clearly. Why? Because the first time I was giving one cookie out of about a hundred, and let's be really honest, that wasn't a sacrifice for me at all. Because I sat and gorged on cookies and then got sick later. 
right? If I give my one cookie, the only cookie that's left in the house to my son Tanner, and I watch his joy as he eats the only cookie that's left, and I get nothing, let's be honest, that's different, isn't it? We all know it's different, don't we? We understand that this is different because the sacrifice is different because it's an actual sacrifice. I'm giving up the cookie that I want for Tanner. And this is what God calls on us to do. He calls you to give up your cookie. That's hard, isn't it? How many of you are like, yay, yes, absolutely, let me start tithing right now. I want to do that. No, we don't feel that way. Why? Because it's hard. I know what I do. I struggle with this. Can I be honest with you? When, by the way, that scenario happens, right? So I sound really good here giving you the scenario, but can I tell you what goes on inside? There's the struggle where I'm like, I really want that cookie. I just put it in the microwave. It is melting. It is hot. It is just like it's supposed to be 12 seconds 13 would be burned. 11 would not be. It'd still be hard. 12 is perfect. Let me tell you, I know these things. And they asked me for the cookie, and I'm like, no. Inside, I'm like, no, I don't want to give you the cookie. I, I earned this cookie. I paid for this cookie. But if I'm going to be a good father, and I'm going to be a good follower of Christ, I better give up my cookie. And the same is true for my money. See, God evaluates differently. He's not worried about the amount. He's worried about the proportion, the sacrifice, the ability to truly trust God. Because can we be honest here this morning? Generosity is a trust issue, isn't it? It's a trust issue. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time writing a check. I have a hard time giving away something if I'm not sure if I'm going to be okay. Yes? Are, we, are you with me on this? I have a hard time. If I am not sure if I'm ever going to get a cookie again, I'm going to have a harder time giving that cookie away. Right? If I don't know if I'm going to be okay financially, I have a hard time doing that. And God says, this is a trust issue. The widow comes in and gives everything she had to live on. Why was that important? Because we know the widow, I think that this is why Jesus was really calling it out. He knew the widow was trusting him completely to take care of her. It's a trust issue. In fact, Jesus says this, a completely different context, completely different time. Jesus is teaching and preaching in a totally different context than this story. And I want to read what he says about money again and generosity. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. That is why I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? I would add cookies for me so it's relevant to me. Right? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? That's a rhetorical question, but the answer is yes. You're more valuable than the birds. It's not that the birds are not valuable. You're just more valuable to him. 
because he created you in his image. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Again, rhetorical, but the answer is no, it can't. In fact, science will tell you, research will tell you, that worry actually takes days of your life away. Not only does it not add, it actually steals them. Stress and worry steals it. So the question I have for you today before I go on to the third one is this. What are you worried about? What are you stressed about right now? I know a lot of us in here, some of you in here, you're like me. You're kind of like this. You know, you do this. This is about as far as I go, right? My swings are pretty minor, right? When I'm excited, I, I, I kid you not, my mother can tell you this. There was one time they threw a surprise birthday party for me, right? And I walked in and I was like, wow, cool, thanks guys. And she had to say out loud to all my friends, he really is excited. <laughs> in that moment, I kid you not, like uh, my swings are like this. Some of you are more like this. <laughs> Woohoo! Awesome! Ah, life stinks. Awesome! Life stinks. Right? Woohoo! Some of you are married to that person. Don't, don't nudge them right now. Doghouse. <laughs> right? The truth is, though, that God wants us to trust Him. Whether you're this or whether you're this, God wants you to trust Him in every area of your life, including money. Generosity is important. So what are you worried about? Can you trust God for whatever it is? All right, third one. Third thing that we learn is, and this is a big one, number three is God knows different. God understands differently than we do. This is called, we have a theological term for this, this is called the omniscience of God. The omniscience of God. The omniscience of God means that God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything that has happened. He knows everything that will happen. He knows everything that's happening now. He knows what you're going through. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what everybody else sitting in other churches is going through. He knows everything at all times. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows way more and way deeper than we do. God knows different so with that in mind, let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus stop everything and point out the widow? What's the point of the story, I guess, in other words? What's the point of the story? I want to contend or offer that the point of the story is that the heart matters the most when it comes to generosity. I would say that the point of this story is that the heart, your intention in your giving, matters more than anything else. In fact, this is kind of the main point, I would say, and I, I put it on the screen. I want to put it on the screen so that you can kind of see it. And this is the point. Why you are giving is far more important than what you are giving because what you are giving is dictated by why you are giving. Does that make sense? It's a little bit twisty-turvy, right? How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? 
That's what it sounds like. But let me say it again because it's really important. Why you are giving is more important than what you are giving because what you are giving, and I would add, how you're giving it is dictated by why you're doing it. The reason for our generosity matters because it comes from here. Some people, let's be honest, we've seen in the news a company or a person gives away this, that, and the other, and it's pretty obvious. They did that to look good. And you know, I know you know this because you read it and you're like, it just makes you feel weird. You know what I'm talking about, right? Kind of that icky feeling. And you read it and you're like, okay, they're doing that for show. The intention, the heart matters, right? God looks at the heart. He does not look at the appearance. He does not look at how much we dropped in. He just ma- what matters is the proportion. What matters is the heart. Why we're doing it. How we're doing it. Let me give an illustration of this. And you guys know I've brought this, this story up so many times here at Northridge because it's such a critical thing that we gloss over. So there's a moment when God decides, okay, we need a new king in Israel. And he tells the prophet Samuel, go to this guy named Jesse. He has a whole bunch of sons, and I'm going to pick one of those guys to be the next king of Israel. And so Samuel goes to this guy named Jesse, and he says, hey, guess what? One of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. That's a good day for Jesse, right? He's like, sweet, right? And he brings out his firstborn, and the firstborn walks out. And his firstborn, let me just tell you, he hits anytime fitness or CrossFit every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He walks in. And it's like, pa-poom, pa-poom, pa-poom. Ooh, yeah. And Samuel looks at him. He's like, now that's a king. I'll follow that guy. And I don't want to meet him in a dark alley. That guy's awesome. Right? He's, I mean, basically from the text, we see that Samuel thinks this guy is pretty sweet. Right? He is pretty awesome looking. And, and, and then he kind of go, they go through the sons, and it's like, no, 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 all this stuff. But God tells Samuel in that moment, you guys know what I'm about to read. A lot of you know, because I've brought this up a lot. God tells Samuel something really important in that moment. He says, Samuel, no, he's not the guy. I haven't seen David yet. He's not here. You don't know. He's not the guy. And this is what God says to Samuel. God says, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Remember the first point? The the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at, what does it say there? Looks at the heart. Don't judge by the size of the check, big or small. Don't judge by the size of the check. Don't judge by the style of clothing. Don't judge based on the neighborhood that they live in. Don't judge by what they drive. Don't judge by who their friends are or aren't. Don't judge by what table they sit at in the cafeteria room. Don't judge by what sports team they're on or not on. We could do this all day. God says, I judge by looking at the heart, the intention, what's really going on. Do they truly trust me? In fact, Proverbs 21.2 says kind of the same thing. It says, people may be right in their own eyes, 
but the Lord examines their heart. We might think we're looking good to everybody else, or other people might look at us and think we're looking good, right? But God looks at the heart. That's not to say that you don't look good, right? Don't hear what I'm not saying. But what it is saying is that what matters most is who you really are and why you're really doing what you're doing and if you're doing what is right for the right reasons. So let me... uh, just tell you this quick last story. I saw this story on the internet. Some of you maybe have seen it. It's one that gets passed around every now and then, uh, but, it's a, but it's a good story. I don't think it's been around that long. Uh, but there was a dad who was getting ready to go with a, a team to go help a family in a third world country build a house and some beds for the family. It was a, it was a family with kids and all that stuff, and they didn't have a house. They didn't have a bed, and so they were living literally out on the street. And so the father was kind of packing, getting ready to, you know, to go on this trip. And, and his, his family had known that they were trying to raise money for all this kind of stuff. And so he's getting ready and he looks, he comes back into the room and he looks down and he sees, I don't know if it's the bed or his desk or whatever, but he sees this pile of wadded up cash, like dollar bills and 20s and things like that. They're all crumpled and rumpled and, and there's just a pile of them right there. It's just, you know, it's not, they're not like stacked, but it's just and some coins in there and all this stuff. And the dad's like, he's trying to figure out, like, where did that come from? And so he goes to his youngest son, who's less than Tanner's age, so less than eight years old. And he goes to his son, and he said, son, is this your money? And he said, yeah. And he said, well, well what, are you, what are you doing? Why did you, why'd you put the money there? And he said, I really want the family to have a house and a bed. And the father kind of starts to lose it. Because he knew that his son had been saving for a really long time to buy a Nintendo Switch. Anybody else relate? By the way, I want to get a Nintendo Switch. We don't have one. He wanted to buy a Nintendo Switch. And he'd been saving for a long time. He's a little kid, so he doesn't have a job or anything. He's not making money and all this kind of stuff. And so he's been saving for a long time. And so the dad, he looks at his son kind of, kind of with shock and with, you know, he's starting to get emotional and he says, son, are you sure you want to do this? You understand what this means. You, you won't have money to buy a Nintendo Switch, right? And, 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 and the son says, right back to him, he says to his dad, he says, dad, I just want them to have a house and a bed. And so now the dad is tears streaming down his face. He says, son, are you sure? I want them to have a house. I want them to have a bed. Generosity is powerful. It moves people. It changes people. And it's the only way that God sees and says is the way to defeat greed and selfishness in our lives. Is it hard? Yes, it is. Is it necessary? Yes, it is. So let me ask you this question. How is God asking you to be generous? What is God asking of you? Whatever that is, be honest about what God is asking of you. 
lean into that because it doesn't matter the amount. It matters the proportion. It doesn't matter as much what you give as why you give it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I recognize that this is a tougher topic. We build walls up against this one. I know how I have felt in the reverse role of sitting in a room when somebody else is talking about money. I get, I get more anxious. I get, uh, I feel tighter. I feel, um, I feel more almost offended. Lord, I know, I remember those feelings because money is something that has such a grip, such a hold on us. It helps us and makes us worry more than we normally would. And it's because it has a prominent, more prominent place in our life than it should. I admit that this morning for even us, for me. And so God, I simply want to ask that you would help us to be like that poor widow in the story that you called out, that you highlighted, that you said she gave everything she had to live on. It's not what she gave. She gave more than everybody else, not because of the amount, but because of what she gave and why she gave it and how she gave it and how she approached the collection box. And it was more about her humility, her trust in you, God, more than the amount that she gave. Lord, so in this moment, help us to examine our heart, which is what you do. Help us to answer the question, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to be generous? What are you calling on us to do or to be? Help us to be faithful as you are faithful to us. Thank you for being a generous God to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.